Uh, good morning, everyone online. It's over there, right? Okay. Hey, way over there. All right. Yeah, we need to lift that up a little higher. Uh, you got to remind me to build a, a platform for it. Um, I know it's been a while since we've been online. There it is. And God said, let there be light. Uh, it's been a while since we've been online. Um, God, and that, that has been on purpose, online publicly, I should say, and that's been on purpose. Um, the Lord said, yes, there, there are certain things I will not tolerate, and that is a spider dangling in front of my face, so, um, but uh, this morning, the Lord said to go online publicly because I'm going to have you teach. So there is something that, that he wants me to teach this morning. Um, however, for those online, I just want you to know we may or may not be on next week. I mean, we're on here <laughs> and then with, within our, our uh, close circuit, but... Uh, we go public when the Lord tells us to go public, and we are just in a little bit different season of what He is doing and preparing in each one of us. But uh, let me just pray before we get started here. Father, we worship You, we praise You, we love You. Lord, and we thank You. Lord, we submit our hearts to You, desiring Your will to be done. Lord, you know my heart. I want nothing of myself. I want only what you want to say, what you want to bring forward. Father, so I give you my yes in Jesus' name. Nobody wants to hear from me. I don't even want to hear from me. We want to hear from you. And Lord, we trust you in that. We thank you in that. I thank you for this family. I thank you for their hearts that long after you, that go strong after you. I thank you, and when I say this family, I don't just mean here, I mean in Nigeria as well, where we just were. I thank you for what you're doing. Speak to us this morning in Jesus' name, amen. You know, when the Lord spoke that word in in Nigeria that was read to you earlier, and he talked about my shaking. I've shared with you guys many times, but it's just getting kind of funny now. I should take video sometime of it, but you should see me trying to button up this shirt. It's, it's humorous. It really is. It's, you know, you're like this, and like, God help me to get the two together. But isn't that exactly what we're saying to him in about everything that we do? Lord, the things that don't make sense, this that's over here, that that's over there, God, I'm trying to make sense of it in my human self. I need you to bring it together. I need you to show me what is truth. I need you to show me what your will is. Because I'm sure if we went around the room, we would all, every one of us, by fault, say we want the Lord's will. And, and I don't think that would just be hearsay. You know, well, we say it because, yeah, that's just what we say. No, I really, I believe we say it because that's what we want. But as it says in 1 Corinthians 13, we muddle through a place here dimly. It's kind of like what Alexa explained when the Lord was speaking ecstatically through her and she was being walked over. She had no control over that. That's a difficult place to be. But that's where the Lord has us right now in history. He has us in a place where we have no choice but to trust Him. 
no choice but to press into him. And I don't mean just trust him and go back to bed and, Lord, wake me up when it's all over. (laughs) Wouldn't that be easy? No, it's trust him when he says, I need you to take this step. I need you to take that step. I know this doesn't make sense because it looks like a cliff. But I need you to step regardless. You may fall. You may not. I don't know. And I'm not saying that's what God says. I'm saying from our perspective, I may be standing on the edge of a cliff and him telling me to step. And my thought may be, okay, I'm going to fall. Or it might be, really, maybe something's there and I can't see it. I don't know. It's not my job to even know that before I step. But guess what? When we step, we learn. When I take that step, I know if there is something there to hold me up or if there is something there that God allows me to fall. I know that. Why? Because I stepped. He is putting us in places in time right now where those steps are going to get harder and harder and harder. But it's not that it's supposed to be hard. It's that they gradually get harder because as you step the first time, then the next one that is harder will not be as difficult Because you've already taken that step of faith. You understand? The steps that we take now is because there is an enemy that we fight. We've talked about this. Man, go back to the podcasts. The battle of two seeds sets it all up. There is a real enemy that comes against us in a real way. But when you go to war, do you focus on what the enemy does? No. If you do that, you've already lost. So what do you do? You focus on what the enemy is going to do. You focus, Lord, show me what I need to be doing Because of what the enemy is trying to do, because you've called me to fight. I won't speak for the rest of the bride, but I will speak for ignition. If you are here, here and in the, in, in Nigeria, you are called to this battlefield. I've said it a thousand times. You are called to this battlefield. You are called to fight. You are called to engage. How do you effectively do that? It's only one way. One. That's it. It's not through knowledge. It's not through experience. Because there's only one way you can know the enemy. And that is through the purity of your own relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the only one who could tell you. He's the only one that will tell you through the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the only one that can prepare you. I don't know why he wanted me to come up here, especially today publicly, to say this. Except he has said for a long time now, be ready. He said the time is now. And that readiness is also being aware of the times. Being aware of the enemy. And that's what he laid on my heart so strongly this morning. If I were to ask you guys, what is the enemy, and I, I, I'll say the Satan, because it's, it's not just about Lucifer, it's about his whole horde. What is his most effective tool? Deception. That came out pretty easy, didn't it? Is that true? Discouragement. 
Fear. Hmm? Doubt. That's a big one. Fear. Hmm? Me? Oh, pain. <laughs> yes, pain. <laughs> Absolutely. How about anger? How about rage? Self-doubt? Do you know all of those things are tools of the enemy? But it does spawn from one thing. It's the very thing that he used on Eve in the garden. And it was the first thing he said. It was deception. Because in deception, he uses all the other things. In deception, he makes a little enemy look like it'd be 30 feet tall. Okay, but it also can make an enemy 30 feet tall look like an angel of light. Works both ways. There is no foolproof way of knowing and being outside of the deception that the enemy brings outside of intimacy in relationship with Jesus Christ. And by the way, that intimacy comes in levels. It isn't that, well, now I have relationship. Awesome. Check that mark. That's not how that works. That's not how any relationship works. Look at the relationships you've had in your own lives. It starts with a meeting. It starts with a excitement to get to know. You spend time together. You get to know each other. Now, in our case, he knows us inside and out. He created us. But it doesn't mean we know him inside and out. We have to get to know him. We spend time with him. We press into him. We include him in every part of our life. As we grow in that relationship, he begins to reveal to us what? The strategies of the enemy. Ephesians 6. That's what he means by putting on the whole armor of God. It isn't about go put on a different shirt. Put on a Kevlar vest. When you hold the shield in the armor, what is the shield? It's faith. You can't hold that without exercising it. By the way, you can't even have it without exercising it. So this deception is a big deal. And it's a big deal because the enemy is allowed to use it. That's a tough word right there. The enemy is allowed to use it. I don't know why. I I mean, I've got to be honest with you. I can't wait to, when all is said and done and we're just hanging out with God and talking to him, Lord, why in the world? Did you allow some of the things that you allowed? From a human standpoint, I know one application is choice. Because he's not going to make a choice for any one of us. Choice has to be purely ours. So we can purely choose him. We do that through process. We do that through a process of pressing into him. We do that through a process of him teaching us what is real, what is truth. I have heard so much now, so much, that we're going into the tribulation. And, and I mean from the bride. So much that, you know, just hang on, God's almost here and... You know, the world's going to get so bad, but he's going to take us out. That's not even what the Bible teaches, guys. 
And you don't know that until you press in. But guess what? We're going to press in this morning. I'm going to show you a couple of things that I want you and he wants you to take and dive into this week. And let him show you what times we're in. Because I'm telling you, forgive me for saying his name out loud, but Lord wants me to. This isn't a matter of we lose, like John MacArthur says. We don't lose. We conquer. We win. Because it's not us, but He who dwells within us that wins for us. Heaven is not that finish line, guys. Heaven is not the finish line. The race started as soon as Adam made a choice. Eve was deceived. Adam made a choice. The earth was given away. That began a race. Do you think that race ends when God takes it out of man's hands, who he placed into his hands in the first place? No. No. It ends when God accomplishes what he intended to accomplish through Adam and Eve. And that is a symbiotic relationship who, through man, he stewards all of creation. While man gives him the relationship that he was created for. That has never happened since Adam and Eve. It's never happened. I mean, clearly. Just look at creation. I'm pretty sure... Is this bad? I'm pretty sure that lions still eat lambs. (laughs) Right? I'm pretty sure that if a kid goes and jumps in a cobra pit, he's going to get bit. But yet it's not supposed to be that way. So we need to recognize the times that we're in. And if you dive into the Word of God, He tells you. I want you to turn to Matthew. I know it keeps pulling down. This, it's this thing here. Let's see if that does any better. Um, can, is that better? Can you hear me now? Duct tape. Yeah, well, hopefully it'll pick me up. But turn to Matthew chapter 24. Jesus gives a summation of things because he's asked about the end times. He starts to give a summation of what's going to happen in the end. And I want to compare this to another time. Because... There's a very subtle difference. And in that subtlety, you see the mystery begin to unfold. In Matthew chapter 24, and I, I won't read through all of this, but I, I, it's talking about the destruction of the temple. It's talking about the abomination of desolation, which is when when a pig is, is offered as a sacrifice in the Holy of Holies. It, it talks about these different things that happen, wars and, and all these things leading up to this. But then I want to go down to... I want to go down to verse 21. For there, then there will be great tribulation... Such has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect in those days, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, and there He is, Do not believe it. 
For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. That's what I want you to dwell on for a second. There is a level of deception that the enemy has in his bag that he will be allowed to use. And perhaps even is now allowed to use. A level of deception that would, as it says here, lead astray even the elect. I don't know about you, but I I sat and dwelled on that for a long time. Because what what does that mean? I mean, I I know I'm one of the elect. Right? If, If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you are one of the elect. And I know I have deep relationship with the Lord. So what kind of deception could be so powerful that it could even lead me, and I'm, I'm just talking with the Lord, and, and this is personal time with Him, but even lead me astray in that. The deception is powerful. And by the way, where it says, if it were possible, I love those words. Now, you could take that a couple of ways. I'm going to tell you how I take it and how I believe Scripture teaches it. You could take it that, well, they really ultimately can't be deceived because they know the Lord and they're His. I don't think that's what it means. Because I think Christians can be deceived. I've seen time and time again where Christians are deceived. Good people are deceived. I don't think that's what it is. See, we are talking about the tribulation here. The book of Matthew was written from the perspective of Israel. Right? And so from that perspective, the tribulation time is the freeing of Israel through that seven-year process. I believe it won't be possible for the elect to be deceived because I believe we will not be here. Simple as that. And there's many scriptures to hold that up. In fact, we'll go to one here shortly in Luke. Where the church is taken out. The seventh trumpet says in Revelation that that the church is taken out. Right? That the glory of the church happens first. Which, by the way, in 2,000 years has never happened yet. But in the glory of the church being in its fullness, then the seventh trumpet trumps. And we're gone in the blink of an eye. So I believe we can't be deceived in the tribulation simply because we will not be here. You've heard that? I I call that a pre-trib. That's what it's called if you've probably heard that. Some people pre-trib, some mid-trib, some post-trib. Whatever. If you think you're going to be here for all that, be my guest. I don't believe so. And I believe Scripture is clear on that. That's not the point of this morning, but I want to point that out. That if it were not for this one reason, whatever, whatever you want to attribute that, attribute that reason to, even the elect would be deceived. That's a heavy statement. Now, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. It goes into the day of the Lord. It goes into the time of coming, the coming of Jesus Christ, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And, and by the way, I, I, again, I in, encourage you to go study this. He doesn't come and then just kind of hang out and infiltrate and, you know, 
I really want to make change. And, you know, let me go down and wave my banner. He comes down, and what's he do? He destroys. He destroys. He kills. It says by the word, a single word, his enemy is destroyed. He comes for the sake of Israel. For the sake of his promises to Israel. This is what I've believed for 40 years. Still believe it. None of that has changed. However, we have found ourselves in a time that really mimics what's being said here. Doesn't it? In many, many ways. Not every way. But many ways. Now, I don't know if you guys saw it all over the internet or whatever, but, but there was a red heifer born in, in Israel. Anybody see that? Do you know what that means, by the way? The red heifer being born is prophetically a sign that the temple will be rebuilt. And, and that is true. I find it interesting that the heifer was born. Now, see, they equate that with, okay, we're going to figure out this, this land struggle in Jerusalem and we're going to be able to build the temple. That's not it. Which, by the way, that's not even the temple anymore. Jesus said who the temple is. Who's the temple? It's us. It's His body. So I find it extremely prophetic that a red heifer was born. It's not about the building, but it's about what He builds in His temple, in us. But recognize that all of these signs, and everybody is looking at this in time, and I want you to recognize a specific word here. In verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, then he goes on to the day of the Lord. Now I want you to go to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21 is a similar expression of what Matthew 24 is. A lot of the same things, yeah, little differences here and there. But a lot of the same things. In fact, so much the same that theologians for centuries have seen it as the same thing, but just through Luke's eyes instead of Matthew's eyes. And part of that is true. But there's an underlying factor that's so much bigger. I want you to see. So in... Chapter 21, I'm not going to read all this, but, but again, talks about the destruction of the temple, talks about wars, talks about all these things going on. The same things that were listed in Matthew 24 that were indicating the end times, indicating the tribulation. All those things are being said, all those things are being discussed prior to this point. talks about nation rising against nation in verse 10. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various famines and pestilences there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But I want you to focus on this word. But before all this, what was the last one? Go back to Matthew. Verse 29, immediately after all this, go back to Luke, Luke 21, but before all this, it's a subtle difference, but it makes all the difference in the world. Because what begins to unfold is a mystery that we've been talking about for a few years. The mystery of the readying of the bride. The mystery of Literally, Romans 11.11, 11, Israel becoming jealous over God dealing with the bride like He wanted to deal with Israel. So how does He do that? 
by doing the very same thing in them that he wanted and offered to do in Israel. Because that will make them jealous. Which will perpetuate the fulfillment of prophecy for everything that he has prophesied to do over Israel. All that will happen. But my point is a foreshadowing is happening now for the sake of making them jealous. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. Because in the other scenario, there's no victory until Jesus comes physically manifested on this earth in a second coming. But in the foreshadowing, it's different. Because the Bible says we will be conquerors. In fact, I want you to turn to Romans. We'll just read one verse here. Romans chapter 16. He talks about here, we'll read a couple of verses. Let's just start at 17 in Paul's final greetings here. I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions, create obstacles contrary to what? To the Word of God. Those who lead you astray from the Word of God, watch for them. Doesn't mean watch for those who take us away from the status quo. Please know the difference there. Well, the great church believes this, and you're kind of taking us away from that. So Paul says to watch out for you. It's not what it says at all. It says those who create divisions or create obstacles contrary to the doctrine in the Word of God. The doctrine that you've been taught. The principles of the Word of God. The very print of His character in the Word. For such persons do not serve the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. By the way, that word there, innocent, doesn't mean ignorant. Doesn't mean stupid. It means cunning. It means aware. Verse 20 is what I wanted to point out. The God of peace will soon crush Satan. Where? Under your feet. Doesn't say under his feet. Says under your feet. He will crush the enemy under your feet. That has never happened to the bride to this day. But it's beginning. It's beginning. It's starting. That's what the shaking is doing. The shaking, bringing transparency, is shaking loose. Everything that can fall. Everything. Because He is coming in with His truth. He's coming in with His warriors. For what? To crush. To crush them under our feet. Not that we do it. But we are the physical manifestation of it. You have to understand that. You can't lock yourself in a bedroom and, and say, Lord, just use my spirit, go crush the enemy. You can't do that. Because the choice is in our will. The choice to say yes is in our will. It's in our heart, in our mind. It's not in our spirit. And so we have to symbiotically bring the two together. What our spirit would say yes to the Lord for, our will must say yes to the Lord for. We are to be the warriors that He uses to do the crushing. Yeah. 
Now what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I could tell you a thousand things that it means. It, it, it's, it's why Sandy is on the school board. It's why others in here are active in areas that they can make a difference in. It's why He calls us to things. It's why Linda is active politically. Why? To crush. To crush. The problem is that so many people in the bride are becoming faint-hearted because they feel they're stepping in these ways and they're not seeing any crushing. That's why it had to be shaken. That's why God is shaking. See, it makes perfect sense to me that before His power falls which it's going to, that will bring these death blows to the enemy. He shakes it loose first. Why? I mean, one strategy is the enemy's weaker. The enemy's exposed. I don't think that's the reason. I think it's because he needs to build our faith. Because faith is what pleases Him. And our faith is what He wants to fuel that fight. So again, being crushed under our feet. And and how how does that happen? Go, Go one other place. And you've heard this verse many times. Revelation 12. This is talking about the Satan being cast down and and defeated and all of that. Verse 11 says, And they, who are they? Those are the elect. Those are us. Those are who have relationship with Jesus Christ. And they have conquered him, meaning the Satan, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb, first and foremost, because that's what purchased the victory. By the word of their testimony, because it was the very materialization of their choices that came out as a testimony that they trusted God. And a third thing, they were not stopped. They were not stopped even facing death. They were not stopped. This is, this is prophetic, by the way. This, this hasn't happened yet. We know that. Why? Because there's plenty of enemy running around. But there comes a time where they're not. There comes a time on this earth, before the tribulation, before all those things that we've known all our lives about, you know, the earthquakes, famines, and, and then the seven years, and then, you know, Jesus comes and with a single word fix it all. This is all talking about before that. It's not talking about that that they win during the tribulation. Go go study the seventh trumpet. We're not even there. We're not even there. And this by the seventh trumpet has not happened yet. You've got to focus on this because this is going to give you the faith and the strength to know what your part is in this and how the enemy uses his old tool to try and take you out of the fight. See, that deception leads to other tools. As I talked about earlier, deception can lead to fear. When that little six-inch guy is being made to look like he's 30 feet tall. In that deception, now I have to battle fear too. You see? Or the opposite. I mean, that first one we all know and that makes sense. 
The other one's the tougher one, where that thing really is 30 feet high, 30 feet tall. And through deception, it comes as this angel of light. There is only one safety from that. Only one. And it's what Jesus said as the greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, all your strengths. And love each other like yourself. We cannot get past this deception without relationship with Him. We cannot get past these deceptions, whatever the enemy is going to throw, without each other. We can't. And I don't know about you. For me, you know, before the enemy, it's like I don't, I don't really care to hold on to anything. If, if the Lord wants to teach me that I'm, I'm really blue, I guess my blood is, so that's kind of true, isn't it? You know, it's something that I would see as, as opposite, I have, I have no qualms about that. However, by being pressed into the Lord, he'll show it. Do you see? There, there is a way to not be deceived. There is a way to fight deception. And, and by the way, I'm telling you this because it's about to get bad. It's about to get bad. Because the accusations are not just going to be around the accusations are going to be against you. Against each of you. Against the whole remnant that are standing up against a deceiving uh, army. So you have to be equipped. You have to be ready. Go back to Luke. Luke 21. I'm just going to read this because it's interesting to me. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds, not to meditate beforehand, how to answer. Boy, that is just opposite of what we would think. Well, you know what? I need to take time to really prepare. Man, the Lord taught me this years ago with Ignition when he wouldn't let me prepare for speaking. He said, no, still prepare, but not to speak. Spend your time with me. Spend your time letting me show you things. I may show, show you something today you won't speak about for two months. But we're going to talk about it. And I'm going to begin to show it to you. Don't worry about when you're put up in front of those people what you would say. Don't calculate that. What God's trying to get across to us is you're a vessel. You're a vessel. You're not autonomous. You're not... I mean, you are, you make your own choices, but what he's saying is, I, if, if you say yes and you want me to work through you, then let me work through you. Settle it, therefore, in your mind, not to meditate beforehand how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to stand or contradict. Man, I love that. Can we capitalize that? He's predicting right away what's going to happen in this war that we're on the cusp of. That the enemy won't be able to say anything. Have you ever seen a debate where clearly one side is right and the other side really looks stupid? That's what's going to happen. I don't know at what point. Man, it'd be nice if it happened like tomorrow. But it's going to happen. 
Because it says here in the Word of God that your adversaries will, will not be able to withstand. They, they will not be able to withstand or contradict. Verse 16, you will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will even put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Then Jesus goes in to foretell of the destruction of Jerusalem and all this. But I want to read down to verse 24. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. i got to tell you something. The Lord told me something here. I, I haven't proved it out yet, but it really blew my mind. Because I used to think that, well, the times of the Gentiles are basically up until the rapture, Right? I mean, I would, I would imagine that's probably what everybody thinks. Man, I have a different... The Lord gave me a different thought this morning. Because, and this is going to sound pretty crazy. See, I think of a Gentile as a uh, ethnicity. Is that the right word? I, I don't know. You know, kind of like a gender, you have male and female. Or like gender, you're supposed to have male and female. Right? I think of Jew... And Gentile. There, there, there is, you know, it's just like two classifications. That's how I've always thought of it. And when, when I was talking with the Lord this morning, he said, yeah, but you were grafted in. He said, you're my child. He didn't disclaim he didn't set aside the nation that he had set aside for himself. He literally said, we're included in that. Now, does that mean that I'm now Jewish? I don't think so. I, I think a DNA test would probably still show that I'm what I was. But I think there's a third category. And I think that third category is the church. It's the bride. So, all these things happening until the day of the Gentile is over. The way I read this is until the conquering of the enemy is complete... These things will happen. But there is a day coming, coming where that conquering will happen. It will be complete. It has to because the seventh trumpet is not something that just happens in the blip of time. Same to those who conquer in the churches to the seven, the letters to the seven churches. That doesn't happen in a blip of time. There is a time frame, I have no idea how long, but there is a time frame that the bride will rule because of Jesus Christ, because that was his plan. The bride will fulfill what God intended to do with Adam and Eve, who failed. It'll pick right back up. And the cool part is, that's already been paid for. I mean, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought of the fact that, you know, let, let's say that the Lord is, is saying, you know, I, I have this, this new car for you. It's, it's sitting right over there. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's, it's awesome. And you're thinking in your mind, you know, Okay, well, I could afford a payment of this much, and you know, maybe if I get a down payment, and, and I can do this, I can do that. And he looks at you and he says, no, 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 no. no. It's, all, it's all paid for. It's done. You just got to go over and engage with it. 
You just got to go over, open the door, get in, and drive. I even set up the insurance for you, and that's paid. And by the way, it's got a tank of gas that'll never empty. By the way, I want a car like that. (laughs) That's what he has done 2,000 years ago. He said, this that I have promised, the ruling of my bride that I have promised, I have already paid for. But it doesn't mean that it's not a cost to us. Because his payment paid for the right. But just like he had expectation of Adam and Eve, the intention in the physical was for them to take it. That's the first thing he said, is go subdue the earth. Manage, steward the earth. That's what he wants right now. You need to recognize your authority. And by the way, authority grows. It doesn't mean, and, and I want to be careful saying this because there, is, there are statements of faith that are important. You know, if I walk up to a mountain, you know, it says in the Bible that if I have the faith of a mustard seed, that I could say to that mountain, move, and it'll move, Right? So if I walk up to that mountain just because I want to recognize my authority and I tell it to leave, doesn't mean it's the timing for that either. Recognize that your authority does not come in your understanding or this enlightenment of what God wants to do. Your authority was intrinsically given to you because of your adoption. But to walk in that authority is to walk when he tells you to walk. It's like a prince who is promised the throne. Do you know a prince really has no authority in the kingdom until the king gave him authority? Doesn't mean he wasn't born with that authority because he was. We're born with that authority. But the Lord requires us to be in relationship with Him, seeking Him in everything that we do. Because He may pop up and say, I want you to go to Geneva. You're going to speak over these four areas. Until that point, if I had chosen to go just on my own, Oh, I hate CERN. (laughs) Hate CERN. I'm just going to go there and speak over it. I don't know. I don't think it would have had the same effect because God had not told me to go. But when He tells us to do something and we do it, rest assured you have the authority to do it. But there is a very viable enemy that comes against us. I'm, I'm going to say this. I wasn't going to, but the Lord wants me to. For those of you online, this, this can be your tune-off point. <laughs> like Alexis said to me at the beginning when I told her that I was going to she said, oh. she said, are, are you going to say, I can't remember how you said it. Are you going to talk about eating blood and, and uh, what was that? Yes, yes. Is this going to be one of those eat my flesh, drink, drink my blood things? So I do want to say this, and I, I think the Lord, the reason he wants me to say it, it isn't even for people listening, but it is for the very thing that I'm targeting. There is a particular spirit that has been after ignition for the better part of 
since we started, really. He has been successful in many ways. I had not seen him for a long, long time until he was was revealed even more recently. But systematically, every time he goes to cause damage in ignition, he is forced to show a piece of his hand. And just in this past month, the Lord has shown me him in full for the first time. Not allowed to go after him yet, but he's shown him to me. I see him. I think he knows I see him. If not, he'll know now. But recognize that there is an enemy that is here to stop what we're doing. To stop what God is trying to do. Your safety and more than that, your engagement is in your relationship with the Lord and your relationship with others, your relationship with the the people here, the family here, the people on the same team that God has called you to. That's why iron sharpens iron. That's why a team is so much more powerful than an individual. So many times, I mean, all throughout the Old Testament, God used single people to, to do things. And I remember probably eight years ago when this whole thing started, maybe ten years, no, more than eight years, almost ten years ago when this whole thing started and the Lord told me what he wanted and gave me glimpses of what was coming, I, I, I just said to him, Lord, can, can you just do this through me? Because, like, this is going to be a big process to get other people on a team. And he said, no, this one can't be done by one person. This has to be done by his bride. So we need each other. And that deception that the enemy tries to hurl and is going to try to hurl at us, that deception can be crushed, as it said in Romans, under our feet. Why or how? By the word of our testimony. By the very relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Because he is the power. And he is what we'll defeat. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We say yes to you. We say yes to your will. We say yes to understanding everything that it is that you want through us, and with us. Both as a group and individually. Lord, as we seek You, I I remind You, because this applies as a group and this applies to us individually, as we seek You, You said, we'll find You. So not only will we find the safety that you have prepared for us. But we'll find the very tools, the very weapons to go after the enemy in an effective and cataclysmic way for him. Lord, I pray as Your Holy Spirit, as we press into You, Your Holy Spirit, give us wisdom, give us clarity 
to do what it is you want us to do. And Father, I'm going to pray one more thing. Open up the doors to go after this Spirit. For He is, this particular one has caused a lot of damage here over the years. And you said, Lord, that you will cause enmity to come between the two seeds. And Lord, you know my heart. That word enmity means hatred. And that is what I have for this spirit. It's even harder now, Lord, that I've seen it. So I ask for the sake of ignition, for the sake of your bride, that you take the shackles off to be able to go after it. To be able to crush it as you said you would do under our feet. We love you desperately. And we trust you wholly. In Jesus' name, amen.